With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to Geico.com or contact your local agent today. It's episode 39, season 7 of the Fighting Cop Podcast. Today I'm joined by ESPN's Dan Kilpatrick. Hello. How you doing? Very well, thank you. And 442's James Moore. Hello. Is this alright? Like, I, didn't, I didn't think about this before, Andy. Are you, I mean... Are we ultimate, yeah, yeah, ultimate, yeah, you've yeah. both got dinner plates and you're, you're eating off each other's dinner. You're taking each other's dinner away from each other, ultimately. I didn't think it through. 
I think we're in different restaurants, yeah. really. Aren't, really, aren't we, James? That's yeah, I'd say we probably. I'd say we dine in different. I wouldn't say so. Yeah. I'd say if I if I was any kind of man, I'd have an issue sitting there. Well, you're here as well. <laughs> Surely you have a dinner plate. Yeah, I've got a dinner plate. It was full of food. So a big roast dinner on mine. You lot have got peas and you sushi. Sushi. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <clears throat> if you don't know, you, I'm sure most Spurs fans who listen to this, you've got uh, Tottenham Way podcast. That's right, yeah. Check uh, that one out. Yeah, have a look at that. And uh, also, uh, you report for ESPN about Tottenham. Yeah, so ESPN has a club correspondent for the top six and some European clubs like Real, Barca, uh, Bayern. So I just go to every Spurs game, home and away, broad, the press conferences, and then in between that, sort of you know, news, features on Spurs, whatever. Um, how old are you, Dan? 29. Right, how, how have you, what, I mean, how have you got that job? What's going on <laughs> well, well, was actually and don't, and don't say working hard, all right? Did you go to, did you go to a formal polytechnic by any chance? I did not, no. So no, it's no, even no. more incredible because James is features editor of 442 and he went to a polytechnic. I mean, that's where... Shit munches. Yeah, well, it's, it's just where um, people have... Um, Mediocre intelligence have to go to university. Yeah, yeah I was, I was, I was tremendously like disdainful of the polytechnic. I was at Newcastle, uh, yeah, I was I Northumbria, mean, and yeah. I, I went to a college, a college of arts. <laughs> Even I've got a. <laughs> I'm, I'm in a loftier position. Um, yeah, I mean, this is a running joke. Obviously, James is a very comfortable. I'm sure the listeners really enjoy. It. I know <laughs> I do. It's great. Um, so, Pochettino today's come out all guns blazing on Wenger. Yeah, um, I've, I've literally just been there. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. So what? So some of some of the discussions are embargoed until what the weekend? Yeah, so I'm actually doing strangely the extra inch on Monday with Windy. Yeah, and I think it's all about journalism. So we're going to go into the mechanics of the press conference then. Right. So yes. Maybe so, I shouldn't give it away. No, no, no. Don't yeah, give, give anything away. You would. The, the stuff you'll, you'll be already seeing online uh, on Twitter and, and whatnot is is the live stuff from the broadcast part of the press conference where he did kind of. I wouldn't say come out all guns blazing, but he did have a bit of a dig at Wenger, and he said it was a mistake for Wenger to talk about other clubs. Well, in actual fact, Wenger never mentioned Spurs. He just said, I think, uh, that the media is obsessed with giving praise to clubs that haven't won a trophy for I mean, 25 years, and then kill Arsenal, and, and everyone's taken that to mean... You know, he's not fucking talking well, who about Huddersfield he, or Bolton, is he? He's he, talking about Spurs or yeah, Liverpool. Yeah, he's that, so, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, so... Um, so it, it obviously was a bit of a dig from him and then Pochettino's for the first time ever I think he's never really been anything apart from really respectful to Wenger which has always kind of said to me he doesn't really care about him that much okay. and so there's like, maybe this is sort of the first sign that you know, Wenger's getting under his skin just a little bit do you think well I think there's there's certain element of the fact that we haven't won anything and it, shine, it shines a light on Pochettino's inability to to, to deliver at that final point, which means winning a trophy, it's, it's highlighting that. I, I, but but has Wenger not also got a point because he gets killed week in week out if Arsenal lose or draw, and he's delivering? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think he has got a point. If you look at the, if you look at the kind of rhetoric around both clubs over the last you know, three and a half years since Pochettino has come to Spurs, you know, it's been all upward trajectory for Spurs and Pochettino. And that does bear in mind the kind of starting point, which was post-Sherwood, AVB, kind of apocalypse, mm. and how well he's done. But he's got one cup final and a second-place finish and a third-place finish. And then this year, you know, potentially a, a Champions League run. And Wenger's got, what, in the same time, two FA Cups? Mm. And now he's in another final. 
mm. and the FA Cup the year before that as well. So, I mean, you wouldn't swap it, would you, as a Spurs fan? And I'm a Spurs fan as well as reporting on them. I wouldn't swap <coughs> our last three and a half years for Arsenal's. But you, you can make the case. It's not as if it's black and white. You wouldn't swap, you or you would? I wouldn't. No. Because yeah. it's been so much more fun to be yeah. a Spurs fan. It's so much more enjoyable. Yeah, they seem to hate the they, fact that they've, they've, they've been successful. It's all relative, though, isn't it? Because our, our last four years are fantastic for us on the basis of the previous 20 years before that having been absolutely terrible. Whereas for mm. them, obviously they've won four FA Cups, in, uh, so three FA Cups in the last four seasons. But their league form has been dreadful really their European performances have been awful as well and they obviously will have set a much higher standard than us mm. uh, I, I, I would disagree with you Dan I mean uh, well, it's your opinion so I'm not disagreeing with you but yeah. uh, my I stance knew, would be I different knew there'd be issues you would agree with that as well though well, right? that you would rather have won three FA Cups and, than finish second no hold on right? I, didn't, no, no, I didn't say what I said I said <clears> I'd ra- I wouldn't swap it because it's been way more fun, but I'm saying you can make the case that you. It's not, I'm not saying. I'm okay, saying it's so not clear cut. You, you, you wouldn't. You wouldn't but, say. Yeah, every football fan in the country would not pick Spurs last four years, even considering. I think, okay, I see me. Yeah. yeah, but it's about a foundation which that success has been created, and the, it, you know, with with Wenger and Arsenal is that they've been unhappy for a long time. With Wenger, but Arsenal fans have been unhappy a long time. They want more than the FA Cup, which is, leads to questions and discussions about how important and how damaging success can be. If you, The more successful you become, the more craving your fans become and the, the, the more it takes to, to, to satisfy them. I think, for me, I think the bottom line is with Arsenal and Wenger, it is the death throes of that dynasty. It does feel like an end or it's coming to an end. Mm. With Pochettino, the, the great thing is, we don't know this, but it does feel like it could be the beginning the last few years could be the beginning of something really special, you know, a title, yeah, you know, a ch- the Champions League, whatever, and that, that's you know, it feels like we're just starting out and they're really coming to the end of a cycle. Dan, I'm sure Wendy's going to talk to you about this on Monday, so mm-hmm. I'm not going to ask you, but but James, as as someone who makes his money writing for football, um, do you get certain stick about your opinions on Twitter because of your position at four four two? Or uh, how do you mean? So what? So Dan, you don't have to answer that. But this is really complicated because it's going to be extra interesting money. But Dan might have suggested that a deal wasn't happening that may well be happening based on the information at the time. Uh, okay, okay. Oh, oh, so, yeah. so <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's something to look forward to, I yeah, guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess the thing there is that, and it's like uh, Dan was saying about dinner plates earlier on, uh, or restaurants. Sorry. Uh, so Dan's job is very much more uh, the day-to-day of football and reporting on the kind of immediacy of the matches and the press conferences and transfers and the things that are going on in the here and now. Yeah. And what I do... Which is more reactive to, for people and it creates a certain emotion in people when they, they yeah. want it or don't want it. Or... Yeah. And what I do as the future editor of a monthly magazine is kind of a bit of a step back from that. Yeah, you're, more, you're sort so of like in bed with the players, aren't you? Yeah, yeah sometimes sh- literally under the sheets. Yeah, under the under the sheets. And, and I'm what, sure Dan is. Well, I mean, we'll find out on Monday. Sadly not. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, you you spoke to a uh, one. Can we talk? Uh, yeah, yeah. Unmin Song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which so, seems like a great interview at this stage. Yeah, everyone's talking about him being exactly. underrated. And yeah. what is underrated and overrated? But he's uh, fascinating to a lot of Spurs fans. Much loved. Yeah. Uh, and you spent some time with him, didn't you? How did it go? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it went, it went well. I mean, 
Uh, I can't really say too much because magazine isn't going to be out until the 7th of February, I think. The first Wednesday in February. Um, or 6th, maybe. Um, but, you know, we spoke about his his ambitions for the rest of his career, his story, how he got this far, how he ended up in Germany, which is obviously maybe not a thing you'd expect for a 16-year-old lad from uh, from South Korea. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and when's that? Uh, yeah, the first week of February. Oh, I um, so, a lot of transfer news at, at the moment. I mean, is it news or is it... Uh, do, you know, do you know what? Actually, fuck it. I, I forgot to put in the question from the um, Chicago Spurs guy that you you responded to. And, they, and he, he's under the impression, uh, uh, more or less what he was saying, was that in the US there's more... I would might be This might be a pejorative term, but more integrity with the way they report on transfers. And uh, he was asking whether or not there was a difference in the the need to get numbers through transfer tip or tattle and the need for actually quality journalism. What's more valuable in the UK? Um, and I think he might go. On. Yeah, I think. I mean, I don't know because I don't work in the US and I never have done. But I do work for ESPN, which is obviously an American company, and I do know that generally in American sports like the NFL or, or NBA, the access is so much better and there is a, a more of a closeness, I think, between the media uh, and the clubs or the players. So I think naturally in, in that kind of environment, you are likely to, to get better tips and be better informed. It's, it's, it's just obvious. If, if, you, if you've got better I mean, access and, I, and you can pick up, you know, I think... Dad, don't, instance, don't you spend time with... Uh, you spent time in the person of our manager. Is that, is I, mean, that I do, thing? yeah. That, but, I mean, I do. That seems pretty good access. Yeah. You, I'm not. I'm not moaning about the access. What I'm saying is, I think in in the NFL, for instance, you might if you were maybe a, a beat reporter, if you were ESPN's, I literally don't know any NFL teams. Baltimore or whatever. Ravens. Yeah, or Baltimore Ravens reporter. You would probably have the phone number of the president, and you could call him up, and he might kind of brief you off the record. I'm not saying right. that that's. You know, true of every club, but I think it's much more like that. Whereas here, you know, I don't have Levy's number, unfortunately. Uh, so you, we do get a lot of time with the players. We get a lot of time with Poch, and it's great. And Spurs are particularly good at giving access. But it's it is at arm's length, and I never pretend otherwise. You know, it's very much in a certain environment, the mix zone, the press conference. Where are you at with uh, Pochettino currently? Are you are you still very much backing him, and you're a favour of him because? Some, yeah, yeah, some, yeah. some quarters of social media would start to turn somewhat. Yeah, I'm very much still backing him. I think. I mean, really, I haven't seen that. That strikes me as absolutely fucking mental. All right, so it's probably more anti-Levy stuff. And we've got we've got a couple of questions later on, so I don't want to touch on okay. it too much. But um, there are some people that are saying you know he needs to win something or he needs to fuck off kind of thing. Um, I mean, Mur- I'd say the first half of that statement is probably fair. Maybe not the maybe not the second <laughs> half. Mura, or is it Mara? I don't, I don't oh, know. Lucas, I've got it wrong. Lucas Mora. Lucas Mora, yeah. Uh, so he, you know, it's been kind of. So you were referring to my tweet about Lucas Mora yes. just now, right? Yes, yeah, I was. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So you, you, you said to... you said he wasn't coming. Well, I said I said the story in Lakeep wasn't true, which was that, um, which was I think that he was about to sign. He was in advance talks right. to sign on loan. Yeah. And then I did. And to be fair, you know that that was what I. Th- understood at the time I think not, things change so quickly I th- I th- well and I'm not going to hide behind that kind of uh, that cliche but I think that there probably is interest in him 
that I didn't know about this, and there probably always has been, mm. that I didn't know about when I sent that tweet. But I, I just can't... I just can't really see it happening. What do you think of him? Uh, do you know anything about him? Is this the kind of player that we should be looking at? Or is he... He's definitely a massively talented player, but he's... I don't want to say gone off the rails, but I, I don't think he's performed anywhere near as consistently as people would have expected him to. Isn't that because he's been brought in... He's brought, they've brought in better players, though. Less opportunities. Oh, yeah, of course. But then if you fall to the sidelines at a big club you've got to respond to that in the right way and when you get your opportunities in the team you've got to perform mm. uh, I, I, the impression I get is that he hasn't done that I mean I've, been, so I've never subs. professed to be like a, yeah. uh, an expert in French football six sub appearances this season yeah it's not a lot but yeah, I mean, it's not, I mean it's, that's getting to do uh, yeah but I don't think his performances last season were exceptional either I mean he's, he's obviously a brilliant player and every club in Europe wanted him when he first went to PSG Uh if it, if it was a loan deal, I think that, dependent on how wages were divvied out, would kind of feel like a bit of a free hit. Yeah, um, I, I don't, I don't get the impression he's someone who has like a kind of toxic attitude. So this isn't a Stefan Dalmat type transfer. No, exactly. I think I wouldn't say. Do you remember him? There? I do remember. I liked him. I, yeah, I, he had this, like, he had this like trick. Jamie O'Hara didn't to... love him. No, no, he didn't. He beat him up or something. Yeah, which way round was it? Oh, well, Jamie Harris would that. have been a. If he was like sixteen, wasn't he? I think. Yeah, he would have been a, a young yeah, lad. Yeah, I think he had him up against the wall or something. There was some oh, like. I, remember, I do remember that. that yeah. Oh. yeah, yeah, quite. He was. He was quite flat. Yeah, what sort of? He sort of shifted the ball from one foot to the other when he was dribbling. But got round people. At the time was such barren for no. us. And we had no skill. So down out on one wing and Rowan Ricketts on the other. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> different times. Different. This is what I'm saying. Is why it's. So hard for me to criticise Pochettino because we've come from such barren times of yeah. horrendous mediocrity. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's so your feeling right now is but, it probably but won't happen. Well, no, I, what Pochettino said at the press conference this afternoon was quite revealing. He was asked directly about Mara and he said the usual, "Oh, it's rumours. I don't comment on rumours." But then he did say, "Oh, you know, it's a big risk to buy players in January yeah. because." They have to take time to settle to a new philosophy and they have to settle in a new country potentially, in a new club. And so many variables. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think, first of all, on, on Mara, it just strikes me as a bit of a pointless deal to do in January. Because as James said, he's what, six sub-appearances. Don't we need bodies? Don't we need bodies? Everyone's sick and tired of Soko starting or playing in every game. Yeah, possibly. But I think, I think one of the biggest misconceptions about Spurs at the moment is that Levy is holding back spending and it's a kind of hangover from Redknapp and and AVB in a sense because he was pushing for, for deals that Levy didn't want to do mm. and I think if anything it's probably the other way around now and Levy's probably saying to Poch look should, should we get someone in should I try and get in Mauro or whatever should I see if he's available cut price and Poch is probably the one saying no hold on he's going to take a long time to settle he might disrupt the squad he might block a young player whatever and I think he's the one putting the brakes on because he doesn't really believe in doing deals in January. And I'm not saying so, that's... What, what's just, your... just, to back, just to back that statement, yeah. the only, I, I think I'm right in saying the only player we've signed in January since Pochettino has been manager was Ali. And then <clears throat> he went obviously back on loan to Milton Keynes for the rest of that season. Is it then, then that, does that echo what could potentially happen with Malcolm? Yeah, Is... I mean, possibly. I mean, Malcolm's a player they definitely like and Poch definitely really likes him. Uh, but... I think Bordeaux, since the, the, the initial link, 
when it sounded like his, his, his people had met Spurs people and it was sounding very encouraging. Since then, Bordeaux have appointed Poyet as manager and it sounds like they've given him assurances that he's going nowhere this month. Which, which I mean, doesn't mean that we, he can't be signed. It doesn't mean, because I think it was always possibly going to be a deal for done in this month for the summer. Mm. So either an Ali type deal or a, or a kind of Nabi character type deal where you agree something for well, a future they, they, They've come out and t- today and said there's been no talks at all with Spurs. Been, mm. They didn't say no contact, no talks. Yeah, I think club to club that's probably true, but it doesn't mean his people haven't met. Spurs Tapping up, you yeah. mean? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm not accusing what, Tottenham of anything on it. First thing you said was yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Dan. I'm not Possibly, to... yeah. <laughs> uh, but maybe one player said another, but I don't have to edit that out after. It's, no, clear, yeah, it's yeah, clearly yeah, a joke. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I was joking. Dan knows nothing I know, about I know absolutely nothing. <laughs> um, uh, I'll just put this in here, but I don't know any. I've never even heard of him before now. Uh, Napoli's, uh, fuck, Amadou Diawara. Is that right? 38 million. Uh, Napoli have refused uh, the the offer of 38 million euros. Believe that uh, he's worth more. Um, and in addition, they don't want to sell to, in January. What what is this thing about the January window? Is it is it useful? Is is it is it something that a club can exploit? You know, Sanchez has moved, Mkhitaryan's moved, Aubameyang's probably going to move. What what are your opinions on the January transfer window? Should we just bin it off? Can I read you the last six players we've signed in the January transfer window before Ali? Was one of them Lewis Holby? Yes, he was the one before that. Uh, Bongani Kumalo. This is, sorry, I'll do this in, sorry, I'll do this in reverse order. Sorry, sorry. I've ruined the punchline. I'll do this in reverse order. Lewis, Hol- <laughs> Lewis Holby, yeah. Louis Sahar, Ryan Nelson, Iago Falke, Stephen Pinar, and Bongiali Kumalo. That I mean, that speaks volumes. But I guess I mean Kumalo. He was he was the one that was on. He was with us for ages. Never Didn't got near the first again, team. Yeah. Went out to Bristol or Doncaster. Yeah, Doncaster. Um, <clears throat> I, th- I think January, to go to go back to what I was saying about Poch, I think if you are a club that's able to sign stars ready-made, like Sanchez, Mkhitaryan, Van Dijk, potentially Aubameyang, then fine, it, it works okay. We, we all know that Spurs can't do that at the moment, and that's why they're building a new stadium, etc., etc. The, the plate, the dinner plate that Spurs are eating off at the moment is a smaller dinner plate. Yeah. And like those type it's of good. players. Are you hungry? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just continuing the analogy. Yeah, yeah, that's and, good. And Keep it going. Those type of players tend to take time to settle. And Potter spent the whole season so far banging on about don't do business late. You know, even though Spurs did all the business late yeah. because it's taken you know Lorente certain amount of time to get up to speed. Aurier's it was obviously crap for the first couple of months. Well, so, take... so why would they sign? You know, why then sign that type of player in January when he's not going to? Pay an inflated price because it's mid-season, and then only have them ready by the end of the season anyway. You might as well wait for the summer when it's I a think, lower price. And I mean, and people comparing a Sanchez transfer and what, and what we can do in the transfer market. Sanchez was available; he was out of contract. Arsenal going to earn a fee for a player that's worth probably three or four times what they actually end up getting. Um, Mkhitaryan then became available as part of a make weight. And Van Dyke would probably already the likelihood is they'd had that deal agreed in the summer or, or in principle agreed to, to move to Liverpool. So these is, these aren't necessarily teams that are making massive transfer plays in January. It's just one is opportunity and the other one is um, you know a prearranged deal likely that, that that was the case. So and the Spurs are not being inactive; they're behaving like 
almost all of other football yeah. clubs in, well, in Europe. It, it, this, this month exists for football clubs to correct their mistakes, basically. And I would say it's a mistake for a club like Arsenal to let their best player get to the last six months of his contract. Mm. I don't know if you would agree with that, Dan. Yeah. I'd say that was a pretty big yeah. error. Did, would anyone disagree with that? No, Arsene Wenger, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, Liverpool have obviously made a mistake in not signing a, a, a capable centre-back at the top end of the Premier League. Um, Manchester United, fair enough. I don't think they were necessarily crying out for Sanchez. I'm sure he'll do very well there. I don't think they're kind of plugging a massive gaping hole in their team. Mm. Um, and it sounds like Chelsea are desperate to sign another centre-forward because uh, they realised they need something a little bit different up they top. they spent so much money, Chelsea. So they've almost blown their load, and now they're like left with an empty sack and not, not sure where to <laughs> yeah, point their flaccid penis. Ashley Barnes. <laughs> Ashley Barnes, Peter yeah. Crouch, and who was the other one? Andy Carroll. Yeah. Uh, my point was going to be that, I, it, you know, people have different opinions on what Spurs could do with, and I think a lot of people think we probably need... Uh, a pacey attacking player who can kind of make a difference in those games we are playing against like a kind of packed defence who's got a few tricks who can make things happen yeah. maybe we're kind of short of that kind of player but I don't think there's like a gaping hole in our, our strongest starting eleven where you think he is definitely not good enough and there's a couple of players and, and Dan just mentioned Dorier they didn't really have a particularly good start to the season he had some better games probably had one of his worst games in a while on Sunday but generally, I think he looks a decent player and you've kind of got to give him a bit more time. Of course, absolutely. Uh, speaking of uh, best 11s, Alvaro's returning from, from, from his injury. Not quite there, that sounds, but he's in, involved in full training. Um, when he's played this season, we've had a back three uh, of Sanchez, Vertonghen and Alvaro, um, which makes it more difficult to incorporate Son. I think Son's emergence into our first team has kind of coincided with the fact that Alvaro has been injured what, what do you see happening there and, and for people that don't know myself included what why why does Alvaro's inclusion or as a back three alienate Son from the first team I'm not Can sure it necessarily that? does because the second half of last season we played the back three and Son was playing really well so, so where does he fit then in that 3-4-3 three, three? I suppose the, the point is that you you end up with Sort of five across the back, really the three centre backs and wing backs, yeah. a midfield two, and then there's only space for two behind Kane. And it was, it was a lot Ericsson of time, Ali and Eric, yeah, Ali and Ericsson. Mm. Uh, but on, on form, you'd, be, you'd probably have Son ahead of Ali, wouldn't you? you? You would, you would, but not centrally. I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure you would have him behind Kane in a central role. In, Son's be- most, Son's most effective when he's wide in, left in the Liverpool game, which. Very possibly was the last league game you played the, the three at the back. I'm not sure. Was that the league game before the home game against Madrid, maybe? Mm. It was around that time. Yeah. Would have been one, one of the last times that Alderweireld played. Yeah. In that game, if you remember, Ali played quite a lot deeper than he had played. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He played in a much deeper role and actually played quite well. Now, that was obviously primarily because I think Dembele and Wanyama were both out and I think actually Dyer may have been on the bench as well. Mm. Yeah. Um, you, you probably remember better than me because you would have been in the room with the manager after the game, but... I don't know whether that was a tactical thing that Dyer didn't play or whether it was a rotation slash fitness issue. I think he was ill. Okay. Yeah, I think he was ill before okay. that game, Dyer, and he was only fit enough for the bench. But anyway, there was a, yeah. anyway, the point there is that anyway, Stun started in the front three in that game and Ali had played in a deeper role, so I don't know whether there's a scope for that to be where the change is, but you know, Wanyama is obviously back now and what, what, probably wanting him in the team. What, what do you think Dyer's best position is, and should he be starting at Spurs? Is he better in that right-hand side of the three at the back or is he better in midfield? I've got a weird view of Dyer. I, can't, I mean, he's 
the fourth best centre back and the second best defence midfielder. But I still think he's a really, really important player. Well, that's good. That's about having a good squad. It's not yeah, exactly. He, and he's. I think Poch would love to have more players like him, and and also like Son, who can play two positions well. Like I think, and what, lead, lead the line. Um, yeah, and in Son's case, maybe more than two. Like I think he, he, I think he could play centrally. I kind of disagree with you there. I think it'd be if given a sort of free role, a chance to start centrally and, and run where he wants. I think he'd do well. Mm. But Dyer, yeah, I think. I think Alderweireld, Sanchez and Vertonghen are all better in a back three than Dyer is. And I think Wanyama's just about got the edge of, edge of him in holding midfield. Although there is something about that Dyer-Dembele partnership, like when it gets going, mm. there's nothing better, is it, than no. those two when they're in full flow. There's a lot of strength in that central There's a lot of strength. I, so I, think, I think he's important because he, when he starts, you can change the formation mid-game. Um, he can play those two roles almost equally well. So whenever any one of those four aren't fit or whatever needs to be rotated he comes in so I think he's important but arguably not always part of the strongest 11 did you see Sanchez's interview in uh, for a Colombian news outlet uh, talking about his time at Spurs um, that he turned down an offer which is probably common knowledge but Barcelona to sign for Ajax because he felt that was better for him at that time Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then he came to Tottenham immediately after meeting Pochettino he was like this is the club for me He's only he'd only played he played like 40 games for Ajax one season it's still a very very young man uh, and, and talks about being able to play football um, you know one of the criticisms that's been aimed at Sanchez is that he perhaps isn't the best with the football as some of our other defenders and it's a, it's a, a point at which our defence can be exploited by other managers um, but he showed a demonstration of uh, he showed that he understood what was going on at Spurs and he bought into it uh, and, and, and do you think it's, it's, it's interesting and pertinent that Sanchez chose to not sign for one of the world's biggest clubs and to learn his trade at Ajax or is he a clever young man and thought well my path to the first team is going to be Better out, and 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 what's overall? What's your opinion of Sanchez currently? I mean, to to tackle that first bit first. From what I remember of having read about that <clears throat> before he even joined us, actually about the Barcelona thing, was that he knew he would play at Ajax, and that was probably the main reason. That I don't know if he had been advised by agents or whoever else that that was the better option in the long run. Uh, I'm not sure, but obviously it's worked out quite well for him. Uh, as for how he's done this season, I I think he's been. I think he's been really, really good. Actually, I've been surprised how composed he's been on the ball. After I, I think the thing you, I think the thing you were alluding to was the uh, Europa League final where Mourinho kind of afterwards had kind of highlighted how he they had basically let him have the ball at the back because they knew he'd kind of give it away quite often. Mm. And that I, that wasn't really how I remembered that game going from having watched it. But then when you kind of see back the highlights, actually, they did let him have quite a bit of the ball. And he well, did so kind so of make a few. They sat goals. off when. Well, he, he's done. He's done a couple of rogue passes that have led to dangerous chances. Yeah, but I mean, happened. He's twenty. Was he twenty one? Twenty one. It'd be interesting yeah. to see if he plays against United if Alderweireld is fit. Yeah, and I don't think Alderweireld will play against Newport, so it does make it hard to imagine him starting against United. You know, going straight in, but. Because I think the only game Sanchez hasn't played in that he's been available for in the league was um, at Old Trafford. He was kind of surprisingly in the That's bench. That's right. And um, I think everyone put two and two together and thought that Poch was 
aware of the fact that Mourinho knew about his, knew about his, his supposed weakness. But yeah, I agree with James. I think, I mean, again, Poch has been banging on about how long it takes players to settle, and we've seen that in the case of Aurier, even in the case of a really experienced player like Lorente, who, fair enough, didn't have a pre-season, but didn't look like he knew what was going on for the first couple of months. But Sanchez just gone straight in and looks at home in the Premier League, looks at home in the Champions League. He's it's it's kind of amazing, really. In, in close proximity to two of... Yeah, that helps, I think. Very, Vitongan very. Vertonghen's and Alderweireld. Just... form this season has been something else. Yeah, he's, he's been so good. So good. Yeah, I mean that, and that's kind of, I think, gone under the radar a little bit as well. I mean, even with Spurs fans, I think, because he's just kind of looked... Remember the first season he came, and it was we were kind of blown away by how good he was, like how good he was on the ball and how he drove forward and how he kind of brought a little bit more composure to the defence that we had basically missed in all of the games where King had been injured, mm. which was obviously a lot. Uh and he kind of went off the boil maybe a little bit. Not in a massive way, but he kind of dipped a little bit in that season where ADB left and Sherwood came in and it kind of seemed like maybe there was a slight issue there. Yeah. And it seemed like he may even leave, I think, at one point, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And then he's it, it just kind of steadily improved since Pochettino so, came in. And, why, and I think why, even if Aldebaro would have played all season, I think he probably would. I find it hard to imagine Aldebaro would have played better than Vertonghen has. Yeah, that's a good point. But I think it's just kind of... Because of Vertonghen's dipped in and out of form during his... Lengthy spell at Spurs. I mean, yeah. he's probably our most senior player now, but or one of. But he's um, he uh, my, my dad when he used to talk to me about football, which is weird because my old man's very working class. He's a plumber, but when he talks about football, he loves uh, grace and what he says is like poetry on the pitch. And he loved Christian Zieger because of the way he used to strike the ball. And that's what he used to talk to me about when we were in the stadium. They were, Look at the way he strikes the ball, it's like poetry. Uh, and he says the same about Vertonghen. He's, there's, there's, there's so much grace about the way he plays. And that's, that isn't about winning mentality. Roy Keane didn't have grace. And he was you know, three or four times a player that Vertonghen will be in terms of how much you've achieved. But he said Vertonghen plays with such grace and, and uh, he does things and plays, plays in a way that most players will not or cannot. Uh, and I'm, I always have a soft spot for him and Christian Ziegler because of that. And and, and do you remember Ziegler? Re- 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 Ziegler, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he liked the way he struck the ball. <laughs> in, my, in, my, in my dad's mind, you get a lot of uh, a grace period because you, you he can likes, strike he the likes ball. He likes left-footed. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it's true. Um, uh, generally, chance, oh, we've done that. Uh, you heard about the Leeds, Leeds logo? Oh, my God. So it's terrible, wasn't it? The, this, yeah. is the, this is the best thing that's happened in football, I think, in the entire in like of 32 years of my life. It's the best. I just can't believe how bad it is. They, 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 what is the thinking behind that? Well, they, they, they said they consulted 10,000 so fans. Well, oh, I don't want to say that's a lie, but I, I, would be, I wouldn't be surprised if that wasn't true. Let's put it like that. What did you think of it when you saw it? <laughs> yeah, I just, I just thought it was very, very naff. And obviously, immediately, all the comparisons with Pez... Came up. <laughs> oh fuck! Yes, and that I makes think, complete well, sense. Now. I think now Yorkshire what's happened was is someone yeah. someone's found on Google that, or not not Google. There's like some Shutterstock or something. Mm. If you type in like soccer logo, it's the first thing that comes. Oh up. really? Is that it's real? Says, well, I saw it on Twitter, so it may not be Could real. Be wrong, yeah. But it, it sounds as if the the, people, the the creative agency or whoever who designed it were massive. Chances, <laughs> just like yeah, that'll do. Did it's, you? Did you? It just doesn't look like a football badge. It's I, terrible. Can't, I can't get my head around it. Even now, I just can't. It's mad. So it's like it, it in, in, in the uh, in the ballroom, it's like, it must have been clear at some level, yeah, at the top yeah. level. Then, but they're literally, 
fine. It just doesn't. It why just, not? Why not? When I first Leeds saw that, will love that. When I first saw that, I thought it was like a kind of an image that they had mocked up as like a promo for the because he's got his hand over where the badge is on the badge. That's right. So yeah. I thought that was like a kind of. Like thing a, and then it was going to get to the end of the video and then it was going to show you what the badge ah, it, but it was that would actually quite hurt. a good idea <laughs> that would so be, bad that's um, how you get out of that you can pretend that was what it was no <laughs> this is the real badge this thing that we paid well, so for they, I quite liked Leeds' old badge yeah it's, they've had some good it's the, got a quite retro the the LU, quite cool well yeah that, that was good and the LUFC uh, version was quite good mm. they, they Spurs Spurs badges have been kind of like a, um, a subtle upgrade each each time or, or, or a change um Whereas, whereas at Leeds it was like a huge, massive yeah, it's crazy changes right? in, I, in I, I literally can't fathom that. I genuinely just can't. How I can't do you explain that? It's so, yes. and this isn't like a thing. And I'm not laughing at Leeds fans. I kind of, I don't feel sorry for them about it because that that will never go on a Leeds shirt. That thing will never. That will definitely not happen. I guarantee. No, they've already backtracked. It's, it's just so bad. I just but, can't imagine a football club just think, oh, it's a lot. So a legit. lot of people on <laughs> it is terrible. A lot of people are online have been saying how. How great our our upgrades are or, or People rebranding complained has at the start been. of the season about you know on the kit the season they've got the kind of the badge the crest around the I don't like that. logo the shield yeah, yeah I don't like yeah. the shield I've got this do you know do you know we I don't know if I can say this but um, someone revealed about this shield on the Final Cup forum and uh, we we got messages from the club saying who is this guy ITK yeah how does he know this shit and I was like that damn KP, <laughs> he told us. No, no, that's the geezer on uh, on the forum said, uh, yeah, we're having a, a a crest or a shield around 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 the badge, and somehow they they found out and got the ump. I mean, like, there's lots to get the ump about, but that's probably not it. Uh, but how do you feel about our rebranding process? Uh, and the reason why I ask is I have a kind of bugbear with a new logo. It happened in like 2006, yeah. if I remember yeah. rightly. I think I think it's all right, isn't it, it? I, it's not the end of the world. It's it's very good. People love it. Mo- yeah, I'm, it's kind of. It's sort of retro, but also looks quite contemporary. We get a lot of stick for it because it is a chicken on a beach. Well, it always was, was going to yeah, be. Yeah, but it always was. But, but given that, I think it's, it's quite pretty fierce. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you look through, because I did this yesterday afternoon in the office where I was looking through all of the Leeds badges and then tried to kind of look at all the Spurs badges. And actually, how much the Leeds badge has changed? Because I had one where they had this kind of like awful 70s font LUFC. And Do you know like, that? I quite oh, like it's it. It's terrible. It looks like so something subjective from, though. It looks like something from like the kind of font on some terrible 70s, like Robin's Nest or something, some shit sitcom. It's like <laughs> a terrible person. Like, oh. And they had like a peacock in the 80s, I think, like a badge of a peacock yeah. for like two yeah, years. Yeah. And yeah. if you look at our badge in comparison to that, it's been a pretty steady... I mean, you say you're like a chicken on a football, but the one we had like, I guess probably like 30s maybe. Was genuinely like a great big fat chicken on, on a basket. It looks like yeah. basketball. Yeah. Um, did you? Did, did any part of you hold out a little kind of hold a candle to the Latin? You know, the Odarius Pacari. Uh, Does that bother you at all? Because like, Everton have still, still got the club it. motto, though, isn't it? It is, but it's not in Latin anymore. And I, I don't know where that come from. Oh, is it? No, they they have it as Tadarius. You seen the font that Tadarius do? I bet that's a cop- copyright thing. I wouldn't. I'd be amazed if that wasn't because of that. What? Well, they've copied. They've co- maybe you can't copyright Latin. I don't know. Well, they've copyrighted it in English. they've not. You can't copyright Latin. I don't know. No fucking no, 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 cares it. about it. Or maybe. You no, know, I've never thought about it, but now you mention it, I've heard it, the Latin. Because it, it, it's yeah. it's uh, yeah it's something special. I think. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But it's gone now. Fuck it. I mean, all in the in the gain of money. Um, got Newport FA Cup. I, I don't have a great deal. Can you tell me one Newport player? 
Um, Sean McCluskey. Fuck me, he's so. Frank Frank Newbell, that guy who's always Just because just I was on. supposed to interview him today and it didn't happen. Sean so, McCluskey and Frank Newbell. Sean McCluskey was, was the guy who scored the header against Leeds in the last minute. Right. I hope that, I think that's his name. I mean, no I one, no one listening to this will know whether you're <laughs> exactly. right or wrong. Okay. I'm sure there's a guy who played for West Ham called a centre forward called Frank Newbell or Frank Newbell or something like that. I, I could be right. Yeah. You're, you're at the game, right? You, you've you've, game, yeah, you've yeah, got to go to Newport. I do my homework to do this tomorrow on the train on the yeah, way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Poch said something quite interesting. He said that we need to apply ourselves like this is a game against Real Madrid or Borussia Dortmund or Liverpool or whoever because this could become quite a difficult task very quickly. Um, surely he's not right. I mean, I understand the, the philosophical angle there and, and about applying yourself and being the best you can be, but this is, is this going to be a problem? It shouldn't be, but I... You, you, I don't it's think it's encouraging cut, to hear that. performances... I'm not saying necessarily just because of Pochettino, but in the time that Pochettino has been manager in that three or four years, Pretty uh, performances in the cup. I mean, last season, obviously, we got to the semi-final, um, having beaten all, was it all football league teams. I guess it was, wasn't it? Yeah, we, we had a favourable league. I don't know. Did, yeah. Uh, what, what was your feeling actually? Just to go back on that, when, when uh, Son got kind of he's being punted out as a left wing back. Because <laughs> I was on the train coming over and going. It felt like it was all over before we even started. I thought it was odd, but then it goes back to what we were saying. I think about the three at the back, it fits in with that perfectly. Like I mm. think his biggest dilemma last season, and it might happen again this year now out of Rose back, is how to get Son into that team. And when Rose was hurt, and I think Davis was had a knock as well, um, I think he saw it as an opportunity to get his best eleven players on the pitch. And yeah. I do think that Pochettino a big. He uh, he doesn't like talking about formations uh, because he says it's more about players. And I think a big part of what he wants to do in every game, every opportunity, is get the best eleven players on the pitch, in you know, the best form players, or, or literally just the best footballers in some kind of formation. Um, and I think it it also says something about he's also tried to soak there. And I think if you if you look at the players he's tried at fullback when he's had to. It tells you about what he wants from that role, which is he wants pace, he wants um, directness, he wants players that are going to kind of attack and get forward. Mm. He's, which probably gets Chelsea out. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it was it was a bit rogue, and obviously it backfired. But then I think apart from that foul, you know, I know it's easy to say that, but he, he I remember him sort of getting at them. Quite in, well, certainly in the first him having a terrible game at that one incident. Yeah, it was just. What the one? I don't know if I'm just kind of. Well, no, he sure. didn't. I don't think he did it. It was just like he slid about 15 yards. He was. It was like. <clears> yeah, he shouldn't have been put. I agree that he shouldn't really have been put in that position where he had to be making kind of sort of last ditch tackles. And that's what, that, that is what's <laughs> going to happen at at fullback, isn't it? But I mean, a last ditch tackle is is what you see Aurier and Sanchez doing with with ease, mostly, yeah. mostly more or less. But son, that in that instance, it was like a, a ten. It was beautiful in, in some way. I remember it fondly now that I got over the result. But he just, he just slid and slid and slid <laughs> and slid. And William was like, "All right, this is a penalty, and I'm going to dive here." But uh, it was why I'd never really bought the trippy of a would always be sort of number one. Mm. He's just not quick enough or direct enough. It, like Poch wants someone there who's going to basically run forward very fast. Okay, fair enough. Uh, we've got a question from Abid David. Uh, he says, "Is Levy uh, Levy a money-grabbing tosser or a visionary modern football manager?" Flav Bateman 
clearly thinks the latter. I'm quite sure it's the former. I think there's two ends of the... Dan's got to be careful because he's trying to get his number. So he's... <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, if you ever do get his number, I'm sure he listens to the podcast, but um, I'd love to interview him. I mean, so would I. So I've, I mean, it's got to be after uh, I've done it. But I've, I've said it for longer than you, I think. I, I actually did meet him once at... Uh... Uh, Ledley King's testimonial, uh, Ledley King's testimonial dinner, and funny enough, a uh, friend of the fighting cock, Charlie Parrish, was there as well, and we were both very drunk, yeah. and we went over to talk to ABB, just to kind of shake his hand, and uh, I'm sure I don't want to kind of throw Charlie under a bus here, but I'm sure he kind of said something to Levy like, "Oh, you've got you've got the man here. This is the one." I'm sure he can come at me if I if I've got that wrong, <laughs> and I know he'll listen. But I'm sure that's what he said to him. Yeah, and obviously he was wrong. No, no, very much. I mean, right. I, I was full team AVB, as you may remember. But yeah, obviously that wasn't the case. <laughs> uh, what, what, where, where are you at though with with, with, with Levy currently? Because there yeah, is the, there is the, the massive I'm, division in pro, and it's about it always comes down to spending money and transfers. Yeah, I'm not just saying this, but genuinely, um, with with the um, with the with the latter, I, th- I mean, I don't think visionary is. Um, is an inaccurate description. Like I think he's. I went to the NFL launch, uh, not launch, the announcement of the, the games. Yeah, it was at Lily White House a couple of weeks ago, and it was just opposite the new stadium. And I hadn't been down to the new stadium since Whitehall Lane got knocked down. I'd just been past on the train a few times, but you know, I'm not, I hadn't been to Tottenham. Um, and fucking hell, it's impressive. Yeah, like, it's massive. Yeah. It's already dominating the skyline, and they haven't put the roof on. They haven't put half the panels up. Mm. It's just such an. It's going to be just such an impressive achievement, such an amazing legacy for Levy. And you, you know, there are some chairmen, like in my hometown club, Oxford, Oxford United, who name the stadium after themselves, like, like the Cassam Stadium. He's not going to call it the <laughs> Levy Stadium, but <laughs> fucking hell, he's got every right to because well, it is. Um, it's going to be amazing, and I think he. Spurs fans should be so grateful to have Daniel Levy. Well, this is it. This is it. And I, I get, I get that some Spurs fans are listening to this and they, they get wound up by me defending Levy. And, and there's been in times in my life since starting the podcast where I've thrown Levy under the bus. I didn't even. There was a period where I didn't even go to Tottenham because I thought that he was going to take us out of the area. And whether or not that was a ploy on, you know, to, to ensure that the mayor and the local government started playing ball with us in this new stadium was. Besides the point, I, I, I was fiercely critical of him. But I look at what other clubs have, uh, what's happened to other clubs during the time that we've gone from George Graham to where we are now, and think that, that I can't think of any other that have had a steady, steady rise in, in progress and performance than us. And it's about good management. I mean, the, equi- the equivalent clubs are at, so it was 2000, I think he came in, or 2001. Yeah. yeah. And you would have said the equivalent clubs, and actually these clubs are probably all ahead of us at the time, would be Newcastle, Leeds and Villa, probably. Mm. You'd probably say we were at that sort Everton of level. Everton as well, maybe. Maybe Everton, fine. I mean, just look at those, with the exception of Everton, who are having a bad season, but I think in general aren't doing awfully. Look at those clubs mm. in comparison to where we are, and it's just absolutely ludicrous. And then, and then look at the clubs that we're now surrounded and, and, and talked about in the same, <clears throat> you know, sentence of breath. It's we're not. The, 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 when he took over, the thought of even qualifying for the Champions League yeah. was beyond the thought of qualifying for the Europa what would have League, then be the UEFA Cup. Yeah, UEFA Cup. Remember when we first did that? And 
we were uh, banking we, for no yellow cards so we could scrape in via yeah, fair we all, play. We, we all watched Don't that, no one get booked. We, we watched that fair play league draw before. I think it was like the final of the Women's Euros That's or something right. like in the middle of June and we didn't get drawn this out isn't, this, And this isn't a joke. It uh, genuinely uh, happened. So what... what it, I don't want to go into why fans don't rate him. It's just the thing is with Levy is when you're the chairman of a massive football club and a massive, and I know people don't like referring to the club as a business, but it is. You have to be realistic about that. It is. Of course, it is. Yeah. When you're the chairman of something that big, you make so many decisions, so many decisions, and you're never going to please everybody with every single one. Yeah. You're never going to get every single one right, and I'm sure he would hold his hands up and say he's got some wrong. What's the deal about money grabber? Why is he? Why are people saying he's a money grabber? I think just because he runs Spurs properly and responsibly and does, isn't isn't Did, splashing the cash. I think I think obviously Levy. I think is probably it is probably fair to say he's kind of naturally cautious. So he shrewd. Yeah, sh- yeah, but that's another way of putting it, isn't it? So I, I don't really know. I, I don't really know where it comes from. And I think, as I said, I, I just think he's done such a good job, and he, he's always. James is right. He makes so many decisions. He hasn't always got them right. But I think every decision he makes, he's always got the club thinking about the club's interest. He's always got the club's interest yeah. at heart. Yeah, and, and and the club's interests are uh, ones that serve him as well because he of owns course, the club. Yeah. So it's I, no one. No one's. Uh, there's no chairman out there that's like a like a fairy godmother. You know, the, there's a reason why Abramovich took over Chelsea and spent all the money. It's not about him because he suddenly thought, oh, I love Chelsea Football Club. He did it for a reason, which. Uh, don't want to go into right now, but I've got assumptions about why he did it. But um, the same with uh, what's going on at Man City. There's, there's always ulterior motives to this stuff. We've got, I think, a chairman that, as while while he serves his own pur- purposes and uh, and uh, and the wills and whims of the people that employ him, he he also believes in Spurs. That, that, that's my kind of. He believes in what he's doing. He feel it feels like the the decisions he's making are the, for the betterment of the club and his ventures. Yeah, I, I I just think to add to James's point there, when Levy does sell the club or, or when he eventually when he steps if down, they ever do. if he does, if he steps down, gives it to Sanyo, whatever is going to happen in the future, he's going to leave the club with the best stadium in London, if not the country, uh, one of the best training grounds in the country. A player lodge, which I think is the sort of first of its kind in England, which other clubs will start doing soon to mm. attract foreign teams and attract national teams, and and give you know a place for their players to stay in between double sessions, etc. So bricks in terms of bricks and mortar, that already better facilities than most clubs in the league, possibly with the exception of City, who have got yeah. that ridiculous Etihad campus, and probably a, a really really competitive team on the pitch because it doesn't look like we're not going to get competitive anytime soon. And when you consider that as a, as a legacy from where Spurs were, with you know, an old stadium, but you know, a great one, and a mid-table, an old training Spurs ground, yeah, it's, it's just su- such so, giant steps. And if you look at the big picture, he's done so well. This, this isn't uh, like a definitive statement or representative of anyone else on this podcast or anyone, you know, this is just my opinion, is that I think what a lot of Spurs fans do, or some Spurs fans who are critical of Levy, they attribute his influence purely on what happens on the amount of players that have been brought in and the kind of players and the amount of money that, as far as they know, we're spending on wages and realise that there's that Spurs become a global entity and been able to attract a certain type of player and succeed far beyond 
what we should be doing on the pitch given the wages we're paying. That's all down to uh, you know Levy's ability to, to to run this football club. It's just that it, I think Spurs fans or or, or people on Twitter and they're, they're looking at what we're doing in 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 the transfer market and going this this isn't enough. We should be in for Sanchez. We should be looking at Aubameyang. Like, they're a minority, but they get through. You know what I mean? It's that's fucking just pisses me off. It's, I get it. I mean, yeah, I know what you're trying to say, and I think, but I think you know, I've, I've just detailed three achievements, which are essentially bricks and mortar. But you it's know, a hard, stadium, it's, it's hard for a training ground, a player lodge, and, yeah. and, and probably you can't the, see that on a pitch, is what I'm saying. Well, yeah, and, and, and but I'm, you know, I agree with that, and I'm saying probably Levy, being a shrewd businessman, knows that investing in bricks and mortar is better than investing in players who can get hurt or can, who can lose form. Mm. So. Yeah, maybe there is something to that, but it still doesn't mean that it's not hugely beneficial for the club, what he's done. Absolutely. And time will tell, I guess, but we're going to have an amazing new stadium to walk into. Uh, and, you know, training pitches and a you know, decent first-team eleven as well. Stephen Vincent, he says, ask the other day, I'll ask again, which is passive-aggressive, that's why I included it, it's quite nice. <laughs> uh, do you think we are missing Winks a lot with his ability to pass forward and keep us ticking over in midfield? Um, and is Wanyama Dyer and Winks the ideal uh, partnership going forward? Winks has fallen off hugely through injury, a little bit of poor form as well. Where are you at with Harry Winks? I'm not sure. I'm not sure about poor form. I mean, he definitely had a bad game. He was horrendous against West Ham and West Ham as well. Ham? West Ham at home, but one we lost three two. He was pretty. And the league, okay. garbage. Fine. Uh, Look, I mean, he's what twenty one, I think, twenty one. Mm, yeah, I mean, you kind of got to weigh that up against, you know, two games against Madrid where he was absolutely fantastic, absolutely right? away from home, especially yeah. exactly, yeah. Um, and, you know, a bit like we were saying about uh, Davis and Sanchez earlier. You know, a player at that sort of age, you're going to have a little bit of there's going to be rough edges. There's going to be a bit of inconsistency. You're putting a player into the centre of midfield in high-intensity Premier League and Champions League matches, the kind of thing that they've not really ever experienced before, they're not going to get every single thing right. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not, I think it would be a bit harsh to say that his form hadn't been, or that his form had kind of tailed off. I mean, I think he had a couple of bad performances, but I don't think it was necessarily like a, a massive, a pattern of a massive dip. Yeah. Uh, yeah as to whether we should be in the team now, though, I, I, it's a tough one, because there's... Well, suddenly now everyone's back. I mean, it sounds like he's back in a, a week or two weeks. I think it is. For yeah, I think so. I think there's actually a caveat to his bad bad form, as you say, because he did a he did an interview before the Wimbledon game as a kind of preview and said that he'd been struggling with an ankle problem since Crystal Palace, which was the beginning of November, right. and said he'd just been trying to play through it. Um, I think this period out at the moment. It's been what a few weeks, a month, or something. Is to try and basically fix a problem he's had since November. So I think if he, I don't think he's played particularly badly, but I wasn't at the West Ham game. I missed that one, so I didn't see it. But I think he's been fine. But if he has played poorly, it may be that he just hasn't really been fit. Because he had a little um, purple period before he got his injury at Bournemouth last year. Burnley, I think it was away, wasn't it? Burnley, he sort of kicked, kicked, yeah. yeah. yeah, freak injury. Yeah, um, and he he was. That I, I thought, oh, I've got this kid. What I dismissed as a, just a kind of run around merchant a little bit. 
in, in my ignorance. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. There, there, there's something in that kid. Oh, there's definitely something yeah. in him. I think I'm not worried about his um, his form. The only thing I'd be a bit worried about is, is his ankles because that was an ankle injury. This is one, mm. and, and both times he's had them for much longer than than he should have done. Really, I think he wasn't really fully fit this year until the end of September. Yeah, and that was after doing it at Burnley in early April, I think. It's a long time out. So it is a long time, and and it, it might just be. A, what Spurs don't really need is another centre midfielder who they have to manage because obviously Dembele mm. is he was so good against Everton he's, it shows he's, so not, he's not, finished, not finished yet but he obviously yeah, there's something in him poor, there. yeah there's still something there but he, he, he's not playing like three games in a week ever again I don't think um, do you think Bell will ever play for Spurs? no, no. is it done? You know, is it not like a little I don't, think, I don't think we'll be at a point where we'll be paying enough in wages and we'd want at, at a point where he would still be good enough to play for us. see, I mean, I think by the time we get to yeah. the amount of money he'd ever want, so so there's no world where he's earned enough money and he just wants to come back just for the adulation. That doesn't exist. I'm afraid I don't think he's that he's that fast. Yeah, no, I don't think so. I suppose. No, I don't. I don't think he's like. What's it like living that, that, that kind of pessimistic <laughs> lifestyle? <laughs> Join yourself. I just don't think Bale is, being alive is, there, is Spurs <laughs> through and through. I don't think he's. Um, yeah. Trying to think of a. Exactly. Right, I don't right. think he's sharing, you know, sharing him. I don't think he's going to be like right. I need, be, to, I need to come home. Just be grateful then. Like, just come back because you're grateful of what we did. I mean, to be honest, but he I, probably I, did it on his own. To be fair, it was always he did it in spite of AVP, <laughs> yeah. Stephen Corker, and, and, he, and he, everyone he, else. The entire football club yeah. and he, team. He essentially got uh, AVP another job, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, he's kept AVB going until the Dakarelli. Like, what kind of like as a human being? He's playing at Real Madrid, playing at the Bernabeu. Um, he's getting whistled and booed. They hate you. And then last week, he, you know, he, he did one. They, yeah. they cheered him, but they, they essentially hate you. You come back. They, you, there must be his ego must be big enough to want to. I'm I'm flogging the dead horse. No no chance. Yeah, I just I just don't see the stars aligning in that way. I think t- two or three years ago, I thought. That he would come back, that it'd end up there'd be a situation where he'd come back. But I don't think I would have enjoyed it. Work, work too hard if he has to come well, back. I think it's almost that we're too good now for there to be for me to see a situation where he yeah that we, would work we out. don't have to live off of yeah, uh, exactly. ex players in this one yeah. song. I guess I was kind of picturing him coming back and kind of being like 30, 31 and a player like him. You know, you think maybe that's he's going to be on the way down by that stage yeah. probably quite rapidly. And I kind of see us being like mid table and. Him kind of maybe like helping us scrape into Europa League or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But obviously, I make me feel nostalgic. Yeah, but don't you look back at those times? They, they were fucking horrendous for ninety five percent of the time. And you have little moments. Klingsman's four goals against Wimbledon. Yeah, um, I remember yeah, that was good. That's pretty much it. That's all I got. It, that was the, the, the plus point, wasn't it? But those things, those moments stand out so much more because everything else was so. So bad. So shit. Yeah. All right, James. Thank you so much. Four four two. The new magazine's coming out. Yeah, whenever that song. Wednesday is that, I think it's a sick maybe a is it a, a, a cover uh, <laughs> no it's not no. oh, he is on the cover what? but oh right a little one uh, he's on the star he's, he's, he's a cover star I don't know I can say I can't I don't think I can say your lips are sealed embargo you've got to respect the embargo but do you think the sales would go down if you just said it I don't think it would make any difference possibly not but I'd still rather not so hypothetically if you did say it what would happen when you go to work tomorrow or when it comes up 
I don't think anything would happen when it came out. I so what are you worried it. about, mate? Stop living your life like in, in such, such constraints. <laughs> you can live inside a cardboard box, or you can live outside the cardboard box. The fact, I don't want to live in a cardboard box, I don't want to lose my job and have to go out onto the streets, that's why. I You're not going to lose your job, right? Okay. Just, uh, you'll always have a job with me. Okay, sure. I've got any money, <laughs> oh. but, you know. Hey, and earlier on you said, oh, no, man. No. Uh, uh, Dan Kirkpatrick, ESPN, and uh, the, the Tottenham way, and also, more importantly, the extra inch. It's going to be more in- interesting on, on Monday because uh, you can actually talk about what you do and, and, and your living yeah, and, yeah, and how the media... Am I the first guest ever to do fo- two fighting cocks in, in such a short well, we, time? We've, we've, only, week. we've only done that in, in recently. Um, and that, well, the extra... So yes, is what you're saying. I, I'm saying... You're avoiding saying yes. No, no, I've yes, <laughs> much appreciation for you uh, and all the work you do, but um, I'm just saying it's probably there isn't a great wealth of people that have yeah, all right, yeah. Yeah, yeah cheers, fine. mate. That's I am. Cheers, yeah. Uh, and how, how do you want Twitter? Nothing? You all right with that? Twitter? No, all right. Everyone, nice. everyone follows me anyway. <laughs> Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.